0: Welcome to another episode of the Cybersecurity Chronicles. This is Sean Mahoney with Netswitch, and today I'm I'm joined by, uh, I guess going to be a regular somewhat, uh, Will LaSalle. How are you, Will?
1: Awesome. Great, great. Thanks for having me on again, Sean. It's always a pleasure talking to you, you know, participating (laughs) on anything having to to do and come from Netswitch, you know, and... uh, you know, talk about some great topics, man. And it seems like uh, every time I'm on, we're talking about one company uh, in particular.
0: If we if we said the last time we talked about <laughs> it was uh, right after a T-Mobile breach, thing people would think we talked last week. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's been a while since you and I had a had a conversation. Last time you and I were talking, we learned that Will LaSalle's passwords were all about his favorite Puerto Rican dishes. Have you fixed that? No, okay. No, so.
1: no, no, because they, they're, still, they're still secure, you know? You know,
0: most most hackers don't use a Puerto Rican cookbook to spray passwords, but they do for yeah, your account. They're not going to do a brute force.
1: <laughs> well, well. I changed, you know, remember in the Spanish language, so we, we, we have more than 26 you know, um, twenty six characters because we got the N with the little squiggly line on top. So that's all my passwords <laughs> have that and and I change out, I change out the O's for zeros. There so it you makes go. More secure. There you go. I pass. I pass. The all other the thing
0: tests. was, uh, you're such a huge <laughs> Star Wars aficionado. Did oh, you ever no. watch Mandalorian? <laughs>
1: It's in my you, it's in my wish. You list, are now being list.
0: banned from calling yourself a Star Wars aficionado.
1: I know, I know. And listen, listen, Sean, right? We're, we're at the time of the recording that we're having <laughs> this conversation on the on the video game tip, right? The new Zelda, yeah. the new Zelda just came out. That's your pod that's your
0: podcast that, you do for all the gaming, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. So the new Legend of Zelda just came out today. So that's gonna take up the next my next the little bits of time, the one to three hours I have free every week, that's gonna take up the next one to three hours for the next four months. So just playing the yeah, game. Yeah, Sean. I'll I'll probably just get play to it right after that. Just playing the game. Cause it's probably gonna take about a hundred hours, a hundred game time hours to beat it. So that's gonna take me four or five months, <laughs> man. <laughs> there's there's no time. But I can't complain. Same twenty four hours that everybody else has, just uh real busy, you know. Worrying about all the cybersecurity threats and all that stuff that's out there. When people say, "What keeps you up at night?" It doesn't keep me up at night. You know what keeps me up at night is the people yeah. calling, it, <laughs> right? The thought, the thought around it is the people that are getting breached, right? The people that aren't practicing safe, not yeah. sex, but safe cybersecurity yeah. hygiene. <laughs>
0: well, you know, I was. It, it's it's interesting. Right now. We now, granted, we we make light of T-Mobile, um, and. And while it is important, and, and I've said this before, I'm a T-Mobile customer, so it is important It's it, you know yes, to, to see this in the news on a regular basis, and, and I'm quite serious, by a regular basis. My last LinkedIn post about them mm-hmm. was, you know, you might as well call them the gang that couldn't shoot straight because really the efforts <laughs> they're making, they're making the right efforts, but there's so many problems. And I think that it comes – give me your perspective on this, but I think it comes from – One, being a global organization, truly global organization. And two, the mergers and acquisitions of companies and the integrations of those infrastructures and cultures, as well as all the DevOps that they go through, has to be a nightmare to try to figure out how to integrate those and spread across the proper security. What do you think?
1: Sean, you... You know, okay well could, great and, thanks but, for coming know, will you, right on the head. No, you know you hit it right on the head no but but to elaborate so to elaborate because you're a hundred percent right so it's elaborate on that right and it you hit the nail on the head where it comes from they're a sprawling organization right that's that so now you're talking about more attack vectors more more surface area for for attacks more sophistication yeah. around that it's harder to defend budgets don't necessarily scale proportionately to that yeah. right we all know that from any budget so it doesn't scale it's not something like oh you had 200 sites and your budget was 3 million <laughs> you got 400 sites so your budget should be 6 million no it's always proverbially right. do more with less mentality um and like you were saying in terms of integration of systems you you're creating these integrations you have legacy systems that have legacy problems that in some cases you're putting your cio right. or executive hat on and you got to make these kind of uh build versus buy analysis you got to make this um it's cheaper to continue to support this legacy um application this legacy hardware than it is to rip it out and replace it with a new one although we we all know if you really quantify the roi over the long term it ends up being cheaper and you avoid what the quintessential word here is risk you avoid the risk but no one that's not sexy right that's not sexy to a bottom line um in the current economy where you see people um where they want to get low hanging fruit they want to get points to prop to to pop a stock Right, they'll sit there and say, "Oh, we're laying off ten thousand employees," and then we <laughs> we talked about this offline too, Sean. We're laying off ten thousand employees. Oh, by the way, the next line underneath is we're investing two billion in Chat yeah, GPT right. or you know Open AI. So it's like, well, whatever you saved over there, you're more than out. But it's sexy to say we're saving money, and it's sexy to say you're in, you're in, investing in the new hot technology that everybody knows is going to be hot. And by AI, we. We're saying artificial intelligence, not AI Island Iverson, because I've seen a lot of uh, I've seen a lot of funny memes lately where it's like, why is AI doing this? Why is AI replacing two hundred thousand jobs and it shows I a think picture anybody of watched Iverson, him play might
0: think there was artificial intelligence at work there too.
1: Oh yeah, especially if you're talking up if you're talking about practice, right? Know, you know, know, I was talking one. to somebody but... at
0: T-Mobile recently on the security <laughs> side, and they do have to deal with topics like, they had to replace an appliance. The appliance happened to be located in Russia, yeah. a global organization. Mm-hmm. It's in Russia. What do they do? Do they do they ship one in and ship it back? Do they send someone carrying the appliance into Russia, right now it'd be an American into Russia to deal with this, <laughs> <laughs> not yeah, many Americans yeah. are willing to do that. Um, you know, do they have a contractor go in and do this? How do they know it's being done without something being put on the, the appliance to listen in or exactly. to sit in on the network traffic? You know, so there's so many different security considerations, you know, above what so many of our listeners uh, and certainly our customers that tend to be more of the small and mid-sized businesses. These are not the things that they need to deal with. So, but it, it it leads to the bigger problem, the issue that there are complex systems out there and our customers are more and more becoming a part of that supply chain in which they are a part of that complex infrastructure in some way. They don't realize it all the time, but they are a part of that complex infrastructure and they need to be doing the right things Uh, to secure their own organizations to be that good partner that safe partner Uh, again we get back to that safe sex cyber hygiene thing but you know they need to be doing the right things and it you know anyway that's sort of uh where where i see some things on that you know they're an easy target t-mobile's an easy target to, to make fun of and things like that but they do have a lot of complex issues to deal with
1: but but you hit the nail on the head again right the supply chain is a big part of it and a lot of of current breaches previous breaches it ends up being that weakest link we're saying a lot of cliches yeah. today but it, it is that true right you're only as strong as your weakest link and if your weakest link is in your supply chain it's in your vendors um then that's that's a problem um and what ends up happening is so you as wanting to a small medium business because we're, we're picking on a big global <laughs> you know multinational organization right but but their suppliers throughout the entire world, right, they need to be able to to, to not be that right. weakest link in the chain. So they need to really take care of that cyber hygiene. And I think that's where they have to partner up with organizations like NetSwitch, like Simplex to be able to kind of have that cyber hygiene, but... And this is one of the things that I want to say because people say, "But how?" Right. This is where a lot of the countries, including the U.S. and a lot of these, um, whether it's a country enforcement, right, compliance or mandate, or it's an industry-specific enforcement or mandate, like a payment card industry, or you know, where they're they're telling you, "Hey, these are best practices. These are things that need to be done." But but we need to increase. The, the unfortunately the penalties not to be a stand from a standpoint but to kind of coerce people in a nice way into taking this stuff serious because with picking back at t-mobile listen they're a shiny ex- example a, a big name another big name that was out there was Samsung yeah, recently too where with with AI and chat chat GPT stuff people were uploading <laughs> IP and internal yep. source code so you go. It, it, people forget, Sean, that that it's information security, cybersecurity. Yes, but it's information. We got to secure information. Old school passwords on notepads. It's the same thing. If you're uploading some cool stuff into Chat GPT, that's IP that you just put there out onto the public cloud. You did the hacker's right. job and, for and them.
0: That's, you know, that was one of the things why companies were freaking out that their employees were using Chat GPT for certain things and. You know it, yeah. But all of this. Let me touch back on one thing you said. Uh, you you mentioned simplex. Sure, what is simplex?
1: So simplex. That's a great. I, I thought great you'd like thing, that's really tough, hard hitting question. Hard-hitting so, question. <laughs> so simplex is a cyber cybersecurity SaaS product that simplifies risk. Right. That was a key word from earlier management for organizations saves them seventy five percent spend on average, and it utilizes smart automation. AI, not Alan Iverson, but artificial intelligence and integrations with their existing platforms. So, so a lot of things that you mentioned, right? It's what we try to simplify the simplex and and to make it just easier. Where some of these dollars, like we said, budget dollars, can you be used more appropriately for things like bringing NetSwitch to do an assessment, right, so they can use them them dollars to, once they've identified something in Simplex that's a gap, because they've done a self-assessment, they could bring in someone like NetSwitch to come in and do the remediation around that and improve that all in accordance with the compliance, right, and in that single pane of glass, so those integrations with the platform like Sarah, to be able to have them get to that journey where now no longer the organization is, is a weakest link, but... What it does for these organizations and putting my CISO and executive hat on, it positions them as being able to be a strategic partner. When we talk about CMMC, you got to have this just to bid on certain government type projects where you got to be able to uh, verify that you're at a certain level to even bid on that. So it'll allow you to win. So it's going to be instead of that, oh, we got to do it because the government's on our butt. It's going to be something that's going to make you from a strategic perspective win more business. But you're being secure so at the same time. So is it handling really more the, the
0: automation on the GRC side, the governance risk and compliance side, the policies and procedures, the documentation, of how you do things? Yes. So, which is why it fits exactly. in with so what, Sarah. We're, we're looking at the technical controls that the policies, the procedures tell us. We're looking at the technical controls that it w- the technology in the infrastructure is actually doing what the, gu- the company says it's doing it from a documentation side. And it sounds very complicated, exactly, right? and, so, and in some ways it is. But uh, you know, we're seeing with automation how much easier that is to do, how much faster it is to do. And you're seeing it from the AI side of, and how quickly it can be done to customize for the environment, pulling from all the information it knows, yeah. uh, and then your platform of of aligning those risks to whatever frameworks, and regulations.
1: Yeah, that that's hundred percent. So it'll, it, the the platform would allow you to sit there and, um, kind of create, not kind of, it would allow you to create your plans, your Gantt charts, right. right? And you're 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 able to get those, and then you're able to integrate the data that you have from from your systems to really start identifying your gaps and remediate those gaps. The platform's not going to remediate those gaps, but the platform can integrate with. Sarah with organizations that can do and remediate. For example, if it's if it's identified as as part of the gap that you need MFA, well, you know uh, it can identify. It can get you in contact with NetSwitch to do an MFA project. That MFA project is done now within the platform. You know you've obtained this when you try to obtain your compliance or have an assessor come in. They can come in and and through the platform digitally right all in the cloud they can come in and identify look at your evidence look at your your proof of that certify you right through the platform just
0: to be clear they they call those artifacts the the assessors want to see the Mm -hmm. artifacts uh which is really the evidence and and that's what we see is we're working with them as well as we can provide the technical evidence the artifacts. And they're looking at the Mm -hmm. documentation artifacts uh, for the part of that assessment. You know, we were recently engaged with a company in the manufacturing sector. And the only reason they started talking about cybersecurity from having really understanding where they are from a security posture was because one of their customers uh, came in with a security information gathering questionnaire. And wanted to ask, mm-hmm. what is your security posture? What are your policies? What are your procedures? What are your technical controls? What are all these things? And their director of IT spent a period of time trying to answer all this stuff. And they were really struggling. Because network security is not cyber security. Mm-hmm. Just like you know, your primary care physician is not your cardiologist. They're both doctors, but they're not cardiologists. Mm-hmm. And, and both cyber and, and network yeah. work, work in security but they measure different things. And um, you know it's becoming more and more important uh, as we're talking to customers like this that they understand it's got to start from the top of the company down. The company leadership has to take mm-hmm. it seriously that they want the company to operate a particular way. Employees will always find ways around the way the company says it's going to work to make it easier for themselves but you put the proper controls in place to catch them when they're doing that, not to punish them, but just to make sure that they stay in line. You really kind of shepherd them more than than doing anything else. So uh, with all of this stuff, one of the other parts of the conversation you and I were having, Will, is we're starting to get some more interest like uh, into the U.S. market. But coming in out of Mexico with the manufacturing sector into me- into the U.S., part of the supply chain, what trends are you seeing... Uh, within Central America and South America and the Caribbean Basin. You're dealing a lot in the, that space. What are you seeing from a regulation, uh, business acceptance, business knowledge uh, down in those areas relative to this stuff?
1: No, great question. Great question. So in those areas, they're, they're starting to adopt. And it, it's I'll use the example of more like in the EU – with gdpr right so they 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 had that they passed that a lot of companies fearful what does that mean how do i get compliant with that they have all these questions so in the caribbean latam um even mexico and going into caribbean and latam right they're experiencing that right in terms of the government is stepping in and saying hey our constituents really care about data privacy um, they're stepping in and passing certain compliances. So other countries have their equivalent okay. of a GDPR, right? Jamaica, down in Brazil, you know, and almost all these countries that um, we kind of take for granted from that standpoint, but are like you said, are valuable pieces of the supply chain, including. They, they do business in North America, in the United States specifically. So now they're seeing, okay, we have to kind of abide by, as a supply chain partner, abide by CMMC. So what does that mean for us? Um, as you know, in the United States, CMMC for small and medium businesses has become something of a we don't have the the funding we don't have the money to do that like we're a small medium business for a reason so there's creativity that's happening in the United States space a lot of that is trickling down from that standpoint as well into the Caribbean and Latin America Mexico markets where they're saying okay we have our but we don't have to abide by that but we have ISO twenty seven zero zero one mm-hmm. which is sort of similar right or We want to do NIST-CSF because we sit there and say that um, um, we think that aligns because it it aligns closely with that. So at least we have that framework. But like you were saying, if they are asked to fill out a security questionnaire and not be identified as that weakest link, they want to at least have something in place that kind of fits into the common protocols that would be with whatever it is that they're doing business with. Because them cybersecurity questionnaires... I. Early on in my career, I spent nothing but time <laughs> filling them out. I put it on as a resume bullet, right? Filled out all the security questionnaires. I was director of information security. And you get into a little, you got your own repository. So copy paste <laughs> from over here. Oh, here's an evidence over there. And we can help these organizations because they, they you know, the, the thing with the, those areas, they're right. behind us so much, right? In North America, we're a little spoiled. With them, it's sort of like they still use spreadsheets. And and for us, that's something like maybe SOX compliance when it <laughs> happened in the early right. 2000s, right? 2003, 4, 5 timeframe. We used, we used spreadsheets. We used SharePoint, right? We had that kind of stuff. Then these GRC platforms started coming out in North America were spoiled. In South America, they're sitting here doing that stuff with spreadsheets and and bubblegum and... um but they need to be compliant they need to take cybersecurity seriously because these are all emerging markets and they're going to have these same problems a lot of the breaches we talked about even in, in previous episodes uh yeah. it, remember Equifax they had that big breach but then they had the right. breach in South America that happened like a few weeks after that that put them back in the in the news um so They get kind of neglected. They're like our redheaded, you know, stepchild or whatever like that. But we we need to put some focus on there because our data exists there too. Especially when you're
0: dealing with so many different applications um, that companies are bringing to their organizations to do certain things with the data. You're not always sure where those third party facilitators are to get the application to do what it does, where are they Mm -hmm. located, and where are they storing their data in order to manipulate the data or massage the data to give you actionable information back? You know, how's that being moved mm-hmm. around? How's it being stored? What's their encryption policy? What's their access policies? Those are all important things to know. From a business standpoint, you, you, know, you mentioned the, the, the different countries are coming up with their own regulations. Uh, One of the things we've seen in the Asia-Pacific region is that the Mm -hmm. countries are really moving quickly. Singapore, in particular, is moving very quickly in regard to cybersecurity laws, um, those that can operate in cybersecurity, data privacy laws. uh, All of that is moving very quickly to catch up to where the, the U.S., Canada, and Europe are. The companies, though, are still lagging behind. They're not moving as quick as quickly as the governments are to adopt this new mindset. Are you seeing the same sort of thing in the Latin American countries?
1: Well, yeah. You know, and, and a lot of it, to answer yes, right? A lot of it is... I mean, is business theater, is
0: always going to be drawn... Kicking and screaming to do the right thing many times because it is a cost line for them. But,
1: but, but I think it's also fear. So it's fear, the cost, right? That's number one, right? That's the number one. But a lot of times it's also, it's it's an excuse. I think the fear comes in because um, most places, their business practices, right? Of that. Like you made, you made a lot of mention, make sure that they have this, this, this in place. Well, all that is great, but if you got, you know, if I sit here and I have everything encrypted, etc., and we talked about right. that chat GPT model, right? But we have somebody there and it's real tough. I know there's software solutions and people are gonna ping me on that. It's real tough and real easy at the same time to have somebody look over your shoulder and see the data right there right. that they're not supposed to see, right? To have somebody take a picture with their phone you know, so now you're talking about espionage and stuff like that, right? So there's there's always ways that that data can still be exfiltrated. Um, and if they don't have those kind of measures in place, then it it it's all for show. But a lot of this would be exposed from that standpoint, right? Because they'll sit there and say, or if they are truly audited, they can sit there and and, sh- and show that right. you don't have physical security. Your guys have secure passwords that they write <laughs> on a sticky and they have it right on their laptop. Right, and it got thrown out with the night's nice trash. So, this kind, this kind of stuff is it. It exposes that that stuff. And Sean, we both worked for organizations in the past on our way up through the careers, where usually it's the people telling you, like, we're going to enforce this, but don't enforce it to me. I don't want a secure password. You know, I don't want my BlackBerry to be, in, you know, to have this software or have this. I don't want right. MDM on my phone, right? I don't want you to see my stuff. Uh, remember, there was that breach. So we go back to a breach. What was it, uh, or whatever it wascom There were a lot of executives with their executive emails yep. that came up in there. So. You know that thing with the
0: MDM. It's um, we have a we have a customer and the the CEO did one MDM on his device, but this mm-hmm. dude loses his phone quite often, and um, <laughs> he yep. has. After the first couple of times he said, "Okay, go ahead and put it on there so we can brick his his device wherever it is and secure the secure his information from that device. so you know it's there are there are yeah. simple tools out there that people need to know that that are out there that um, you know if you're working with a group of people that you trust, which you know is hard to do nowadays, but there are things you can do to entrust people to secure your data. In such a way that it uh, it doesn't come back to haunt your your business or you personally. So,
1: I'll give you I'll give you a quick story before we we kind of because you you hit the nail on the head Maybe too. you think about carpet. If you today, don't physically nails, you don't. Oh <laughs> man, you know you're you're on the you're on the ball I had today. Had my coffee. You're, on, you're in the zone today. <laughs> it's um I had I had an organization where we we have tight security we have the the whole nine we have a guy that was uh and this has proliferated a lot in the last three years with with um um people working remote mostly right you know as opposed to before so there was only a few people that worked remote everybody works in the office now this was still in an office setting so we had the person that was the chief architect head of development etc right and he would sit there, you know, kind of quirky, always sitting in a beanbag chair on the floor, on his laptop, headphones on, you know, Beats by Dre, etc. And it was just, hey, that's the head of development. He's kicking butt. He's doing what he's doing. So, hands off. So, we always had our policies and everything like that in place. But now, once we got some visibility into the network, we rolled out a proof of concept on a, at the time, brand new piece of technology called Darktrace Right, they're well established out there in the market now. So we identified tour data. We identified VPN tunnels that were coming in, and what we identified, and this is the craziness. This is what I say with security. What we identified was that there was a VPN tunnel coming from, like you were saying, like Russia, Belarus, like Ukraine. I think this was either from Belarus or Ukraine. So there was. So the guy basically was sitting there all day not really doing anything. He had a, he had a laptop and he had a desktop, but it's the head of development, right? So you're figuring, he had a guy that VPN all day into his machine and wrote all his code. So he basically outsourced his entire job was outsourced to this organization coming in. He spent most of the day on his laptop probably playing games and listening to cool tunes. So he's he's getting paid probably almost two hundred thousand. I kid you not, and had his job outsourced and secure. So again, it was a VPN tunnel, right? It's like, so it's secure. It passes a sniff test, but when we found everything out and peeled back the onion, it's like the dude sending his data or the guy source Jeez. code is going to some unauthorized partner out there. It's 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 our integrity and reputational risk. Is through right. the roof now, right? Because if we tell somebody, no, our development is done stateside. It's not outsourced. It's not this. Your data's not traversing, but it was going through a very secure tunnel. Even tour to a guy over there doing the entire job and getting paid probably one tenth of what this guy was getting paid. Wow, and crazy, <laughs> crazy. You can't make this stuff up. This is like real, real life. And you're like, uh, I don't know, Yo, what it's, there, it- you know, to say there, you know.
0: That's that's one extreme. You know, the other is you have your employees yeah. that do that do dumb things. They they go on a yeah, company yeah. device. They go to some place. You know, I'm not gonna. I'm going pick on them. Facebook. They go to Facebook. They start poking around websites they shouldn't uh-huh. be going to. Um, and it, it's one of the things we were able to demonstrate, uh, one of our clients is, and, and this was all part of the security awareness and education because we had the security tools, like you implemented dark trace to find what's going on in our network. And all of a sudden you find this traffic that you didn't expect. You know, we're finding employee activity that that we would expect because people are people. Um, Mm -hmm. But it was just a matter of letting the employees know, hey, you're going somewhere you shouldn't be going Um, And letting them know that they shouldn't, you know, reminding them they shouldn't be doing this on a company device. The company is looking at the activity from a security standpoint and noticing that their behavior is going to these sites. The the amount of improper traffic that dropped after just the employees being aware that the company Mm -hmm. is monitoring its company's devices, it's you know, it's just changing the behavior, Ch- you know, so you have somewhat innocent, maybe naive, maybe careless activity to the malicious, but having these things is, you know, somebody said recently, I was, it was, um, it was a global v- CISO that I was talking to, and he, he was talking about, you know, this we're always the department of know. IT's always the department of know. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, that's one of the things that Stanley and I talk about all the time is how do we change the narrative? How do you change the narrative from being the department of no mm-hmm. to being the department of be better? <laughs> Don't be dumb. Um, yeah. But even just, you know, helping them, educating them that how this affects the company also affects them personally. If they do this at home on their company device. They do it at home on their phone. They they open the same kind of risks to their own. To their own lives to their own data mm-hmm. their banking accounts passwords whatever it is you know that's that's mm-hmm. important for them to understand so um
1: well you know one thing sean what you're saying is if you become that department of no you know that's what led to the proliferation for the past you know Almost ten years now, I would say five to ten years yeah. of shadow IT, right? Because they they turn around and they'll say, "Well, I'm going to do it myself, or I'm going to do this," instead because they'll go through the mantra of it's better to uh, right. beg for forgiveness than ask for permission, right? So that leads to that. So now you 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 create a problem for right. IT again with shadow IT, and you're going to have to support certain things because. Certain organizations, and this happened to me. Now they become so dependent on something that came in through shadow IT that now you have to support it, and you realize that it does have security risks. So you gotta, you instead of know what I've learned, the hard way, right? Say yes, but right? Oh, can we do that? Yes, but. Let's make sure that it's secure. Let's make sure that it not only meets your requirements, but that it's secure and it meets our regulatory requirements or our corporate policies. And if we need to change it, we'll change it. And usually it's better than that hard no where now they turn around and say, well, because uh, the, everything you've been mentioning, there's workarounds, right? Like you said, they'll go home, right. they'll have another laptop. You can get a laptop for 200 bucks. You can get an iPad, a cell phone, you know, and you can do so much on these that it proliferates so You're, you're right. It's,
0: it's that yes, but, think about this, or I'd rather you not, what if you tried yep. this instead? You know, it's really just changed the language yep, exactly. that we're using with exactly. the employees to help them get to make the right decisions, so... Hey, well, we are—we're uh, out of time. We went a little bit long today. You—you you talk a lot. No problem. We both talk a lot.
1: <laughs> you know what it is? You—you—you—you you, you, you say a oh, lot of I? great you, insightful you? things,
0: uh, That's what it is. Yeah.
1: So <coughs> that time flies. Time flies because of that.
0: Keep the flattery coming, Will. I love it.
1: <laughs> hey, I—I just as long as the checks check still come. <laughs>
0: all right well thank you everybody for listening today today my guest was Will LaSalle at JLS Tech I'm Sean Mahoney with NetSwitch thanks for listening to another episode of Cybersecurity Chronicles and we'll talk to you next time thanks Will take care